High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. So last week, um, last week I felt like I was a little harsh on you. Um, and I want to just reiterate this. I am not anti-dating, but... I did last week have to kind of tear down the bad of dating because there's a lot of bad in dating. Okay, so please don't be like, oh, Garrett thinks I'm dumb because I got a girlfriend or anything like that. I don't think you're dumb at all. Um, I, but I do want you to do it the right way, just like with like every other thing in life. So last week was a little bit more tearing down. This week's going to be a little bit more building back up. So this week we're going to talk about marriage. Marriage. Is anyone besides, hey, one more thing. Wasn't it good to have Castle in here? Is he still in here? Did he leave? Where are you at? Is he not in here? Okay, when he comes back, y'all let me know. I meant to do that first. But anyway, when he comes back, we're in, everyone's going to stand and clap really loud. I don't know where he went. but Yeah, well, Travis will be back next week. But when Castle walks back in, Graham just wave at me when he walks. We're just going to stop everything and clap for Trassel. Castle. Trassel. For Trassel. Oh, here he comes. Everyone act like we're really serious. And that's when God said, Welcome back, Castle. We loved having you today. I started and you weren't even in here, so I had to (laughs) pull you back in. But we we appreciate and love having Castle back in here. uh, Worship was great. Um, All right, Baywatch week to what got me on that, besides me and Becca and Keith and Becca, is anyone else in here married? Luann, Alex, you're married. No one else? So I'm not talking to any other married people. Okay, wonderful. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, so last week I left off with this verse. God, I hate being up on the stage. Um, left off uh, with Proverbs 18.22. Anyone know what it says? First person to read it can have uh, three musketeers because we have a surplus of three musketeers. Proverbs 18.22 says, what? Read it. Amen. So last week, Gage gets three musketeers at some point in his life. Um, last week, I kind of ended on this verse, Proverbs 18.22, and it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And we left off kind of talking about this mentality that you cannot have, you have to now, right now in your life, have the, 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 the identity of a wife and the identity of a husband. That it's actually really counterproductive to live your life not having that, that idea in your head because why? Okay, all right, we understand. Y'all slept since then. Everyone stand up. Everyone stand up. This is really just a ploy for me to get my water bottle open. Everyone stand up. Put your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Clap one time. Clap twice. Simon says, clap once. Clap once. You're out. Everyone sit down. All right, good. Now I'm ready. 
So the problem, guys, that, that I want to kind of break down and build back up is this idea that many of us have that, that dating is a sort of like game that we play. And it's something that fills, it fills our time, it fills emotions, it fills needs. We talked about the three lies of dating. Anyone remember this? We talked about the lie of I will always be alone, right? We talked about the lie um, that I need somebody that we date out of need. You remember this? Ringing any bells? No? Okay. Well, anyway. And then we talked about the lie of there's only one person out there for me, and if I miss it, I will, I am I, I, doomed. Okay, we talked about these three things, and we talked about um, how having the identity of a girlfriend, having the identity of a boyfriend is actually pretty toxic for you in your life. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, that was last week's sermon wrapped up in a complete nutshell. So I want to talk about what does it mean to genuinely be a husband, and what does it genuinely mean to be a wife? Because it would be, I think that in a lot of youth ministries, and even I've done this in my past, we miss it sometimes with talking about the importance of having this mentality that I am someone's wife or that I am someone's husband, but then we wait for you to get engaged before we start telling you what that actually means and how that actually means to live. Like I was thinking about this um, the past couple of days. You right now, even, at, even as a teenager, should have a pretty good understanding of what a biblical definition is of a husband and, and, and a wife. Because for many of you, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything like that, but most of us, I know just by statistics and just being a youth pastor, most of us come from homes, uh, come from bro- broken homes, or even if they're not broken, uh, maybe, maybe our parents aren't saved, maybe one of them's just saved. Um, I, I know that it is, it is far more uncommon to have a, a student come from a, a home where both parents are married, both parents are saved, and both parents are walking out biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. It's rare. So if this is you and you're like, man, I know exactly what a godly husband looks like because my dad's a rock star, and I know exactly what a godly wife looks like because my mom's a rock star, that's awesome, good for you, then tonight is just going to be a reinforcement. But a lot of us don't have that. I did not have that. Um, I, didn't have, I didn't hear even anyone mention of what a godly husband was until I was probably 19 years old. And then got all started getting all this information about there's a right way to do it, and there's all these crazy things. And I started dating Becca, and I was like, this is hard. This is tough. Um, and just let me, me and Becca have been married for seven and uh, seven and a half, seven and a half, seven, three quarters, somewhere in there, five eighths, um, seven and five eighths years. Um, actually, seven twelfths, seven twelfths years. Um, and marriage, hear me, marriage is not for the weak. Marriage is not for the emotional. Marriage is not for those of you that think that marriage, marriage will not solve your problems, I'll put that delicately. Marriage does not solve your problems, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and so please stick with me tonight. I know some of you are like, I'm like 14, and I'm not going to be married for a decade, and blah, 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 blah. But if you will get this now and apply this to your life now, you will save yourself a lot of heartache when old girl comes hollering at you or whenever you are entering into a season where you might be able to marry somebody or you might want to have a serious relationship. These are not things meant for you to learn once you enter into the season of marriage. These are things you need to know now. You need to know what it means to walk in biblical manhood and biblical husbandhood or whatever you want to call it right now. Because most of you, all right, we'll break the ice. Who in here has ever been attracted to somebody? 
It's not a sin. It's not a sin. Patrick Lambert, <laughs> raise your hand. <laughs> Who here has ever wanted to date somebody? It's okay. Let's break the ice. It's all right. It's not sinful. It's not wrong. Amen. Some of you aren't raising your hands and you're in relationships. Italy. Um, <laughs> actually, neither Italy nor Graham did, so it's fine. Yeah. Actually, never mind. I'm just, we're going to stop. Okay, so this does pertain to you. This does pertain to you because the, no matter if we're going to act like, oh, this isn't, I'm not like that, blah, blah, blah. Every single person in this room is wired like that. You are wired to have these feelings. You are wired to be attracted to somebody. We talked about this last week. What was God's first command to Adam and Eve? Go make babies. That was the first thing he told them to do. Go make babies. Babies are made through a certain process in which we're not going to go super into detail tonight, but I was just going to stop there. You are meant to be attracted to people. You are meant to have a desire to be married. You are meant to, ha to have a desire to want to make babies. You are designed and made that way, and God knows you're made that way. And just because you have that desire doesn't mean you, something is wrong with you or something is bad. And hear me, when I'm, we're talking about dating and marriage, this is why I keep going back to this. I don't want you to think that we believe that dating is wrong and marriage is wrong and, and you're a sinner if you're doing it. It is absolutely not. But there is a time and a season for everything. Remember last week we talked about how uh, in Genesis, and then Jesus quotes this all through the New Testament, he says, this is why a man leaves his mother and father and joins with his wife and they become one flesh. He leaves mom and dad, and goes off with his wife to become one person. It doesn't, you remember we talked about this? Am I, we, we, you catching with me a little bit? Okay. All right, so who wants to go first? We want to talk about husbands or wives first? Husbands? Cool. That's how I have it in my notes, so that works a lot easier. All right, so let's talk about you guys. And dudes, um, I'm going to be way harder on you than I am the ladies. For one, because I am a dude, man, man-child, and <laughs> your role as a husband, just you like it or not, your role as a husband is, um, how do I say this without sounding mean? Um, the, your role as a husband is not for the weak. Your role as a husband is not for the selfish. It's definitely not for little boys. So if we're going to talk about what it means to be a husband, and we're going to talk about marriage, please don't think like, oh, Pastor Garrett, they do, 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 that sounds so bad, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sick and tired of watching these, these men children get married, and then their wives complain for the first three years of their marriage that they don't spend time with them, they won't get off the video game, they won't do other things because they married little boys, because no one's ever looked them in the face and said, this is what a husband's actually meant to be. This is what scripture says it's meant to be. And girls, we'll talk about you in a minute too. But here we go. Genesis 5. Let's go. Genesis 5, verses 25 through 31. Get there. Stay there. We're going to be there for just a <coughs> minute. Genesis 5 says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the, the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So he's talking about what Christ did for the church. In the same way, 
Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. Therefore a man shall leave his father, again, Paul is now quoting Genesis chapter 2, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You, you, you see that quoted all throughout Scripture. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and there shall <clears throat> and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so what two commands did we just get for husbands and how they're supposed to love their love their wives? He gave it to us in two ways. He says, Husbands, love your wives as what? As Christ loves the church. And then he says that just a few a few lines down, he says, Husbands, love your wives as your own body or yourself. Guys, that that right there should tell you that, that is the foundation of what a husband is to a wife. There is no greater, for one, there's no greater love, but there's also no greater sense of sacrificial love or unconditional love than what Christ has for the church. Every Christian, most of you in this room, understand that our entire belief is that Jesus, spotless, sinless, descended from heaven, died on the cross, was, had no sin on him whatsoever, took our spot, rose again after three days. He took the place of every single person in this room, even though none of us deserved it. Even though none of us even did anything to contribute to what was actually happening. So it's a pretty bold thing for Paul to say, actually, husbands, this is a great example for how you're supposed to treat your wife. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. That isn't saying love your wife like, like Jesus. He's not just saying love your wife like, like how God loves us. He's saying how Christ loved and continues to love the church. You cannot begin to talk about the love Christ has for the church without, without talking about sacrifice. Now, how many of you right now in high school or college, whatever season you're in, think, man, I really want to date that girl because I feel like laying my life down for her. I want to sacrifice for her. I want to give her everything and me receive nothing. Most dating relationships don't start that way. Truth or false? True or false? Okay. That is genuinely not how conversations begin between people with this foundational belief of like, huh, she seems like someone I want to sacrifice my life for. Because if that were really it, you would probably think a lot longer and harder about who you would engage in a relationship with, right? But it's the opposite. We engage in relationships. We even engage in friendships based upon what am I going to get out of this for me? What, and that might be physical, that might be social, that might just be biding my time. We talked about this last week as far as like dating for the wrong reasons. This is, this is the, the perfect example of what I'm trying to get across to you. You entering into a relationship without the understanding that where this leads for you young men in the room, listen to me, where dating leads for you is you laying your life down. That is the end result of you dating, dating a, a woman. The end result is not that you get to have as much sex as you want when you're married. The end result is that you get to get whatever you want when you're married. Not that someone gets to make you a sandwich when you ask for it. Not someone to, to clean up after you like your mom did. The end result when you say, yes, I, I do, is your life is now not your own. It is now laid down sacrificially as Christ loved the church. Young ladies, any of you ever dated a man like that? <laughs> All the married people are like, mm -hmm. 
But that's typically not conversations we're having at 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18 years old. But I want you to understand this, young men, this is the call. This is the responsibility you are picking up whenever you enter into a dating relationship as a Christian. First thing I said last week, what's the point of dating? Marriage, okay. The only point in dating is marriage. So, guys, I want, you to, I want you to grab a hold of this truth and never let go of it. No matter if you have a girlfriend that's in this room or your girlfriend goes to a different school, you have got to understand where this ends for you is you taking up a responsibility that you would lay your life down every single day for this person. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down his life for a friend. That is not just, a lot of times we read that and it's like on firemen and like police officers. And while that's good and true, that, that kind of sacrifice isn't just talking about jumping in front of a bullet or jumping on a grenade for you. That is literally talking about, yeah, she got it. <laughs> oh, sorry, you had to be there. Um, that is genuinely talking about a daily sacrificial love that exists between a, a man and a friend, a man and a woman. Every single day, your role as a husband is to have greater love, to have no greater love than to lay down your life continuously for one person. Then when you get kids, it gets way harder. Amen? Amen. So let's keep reading. So he says, husbands love, or I'm sorry, wrong part. He says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. I want to talk about this for just a, a, a quick minute. Husbands, love your wives as you love your own bodies. And he goes on in a little bit in detail. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And then he quotes Genesis chapter 2. What do you think this means for a, a man to love somebody the way he loves himself. To me, when I read this, and I was thinking about this even in my own marriage, no one takes better care of me than me. No one, no one thinks about my needs more than me. No one knows, thinks about my meals or my wants or my shoes or my whatever more than me. When I need a shower, I'm going to get a shower. When I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. When I need a haircut, I'm going to try to get a haircut. But these are things that, like, I, I am not, as a, as a grown man, I am not reliant on anyone to take care of myself. You all understand this? Newsflash for every dude in this room. One day you will not have a caretaker. Okay? One day, when you leave mom and dad, you're not to transfer all that responsibility to your wife. You understand? You don't get to leave mom and dad and then plug the umbilical cord into your wife and say, take care of me now. <laughs> Submit. That's not how this works. That is not the assignment that you've, you have received from God. The assignment is that you've been raised up, hopefully in a great house, and you're going to go be one flesh. Just like this is why he quotes Genesis 2, because that last line, and the two shall become one flesh. When you become one flesh with somebody else, you are now responsible. Dudes, guys, hello. You are now responsible for taking care of that person as if that person was literally you. 
If you're here Sunday, Pastor Josh talked about this uh, quite a bit. He, I love that he went into uh, Matthew 19. And he said, you know, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. If you're ever with me, uh, if I ever do a wedding, actually I did Alex and the Wands wedding, y'all, this was in uh, the ceremony we did. I will, this is like the staple of what I will try to communicate as someone performing, I don't know the right word for it, officiating a wedding. What God is now joining together, let no man separate. And, and here's, here's why we have to talk about dating so much is not because dating is so awful, it is the habits that it is creating in so many of you. Dating teaches you, like modern dating teaches you, and this is the number one thing that, that, that I have a problem with, it teaches you that you can get into it and you can get out of it with the text. You can initiate a relationship and you can end a relationship with as simple as a text. And so we do this over and over and over and over again. We flirt a little bit, then we go into this weird talking phase, which is like, let me just vent to you for a second. Those of you that are like, we're talking, what does that mean? We're talking and we're dating at your stage in life are the same thing. It's all the same thing. Ladies, let me talk to you for a second. If a dude who just wants to, who's like, oh, we're just talking, has commitment issues, and he might be like, he doesn't want to fully commit because there might be a better option out there somewhere. Dudes, if a girl keeps telling you we're just talking, she is friend zoning you because she's probably not that interested, but you are keeping her attention long enough. So like, we could talk about this the rest of the night. The whole talking phase is a scam. If you are doing this or someone is doing this to you, Get out. There's no point in like, we're talking. No, you're friends, and you're staking claim on them in some weird way and saying they're mine because we talk, I talk to them. Like, you, you're telling me that you are so desperate that you would, you would allow yourself, I'm coming down the stairs, you would allow yourself for somebody. <laughs> hated up there. But here's my problem with it. You are allowing for somebody to stake claim on you, and all they have to do is say that I talk to them more than I talk to other people. That is ridiculous. If you think of yourself so low that if someone just snaps you a few more times or texts you a few more times or sits next to you intentionally, that you're going to blow off everything else in life because that they're giving you that minute amount of attention that you have entered into some kind of special relationship with that person. Oh, why would they give you anything else if they got you for so little? You understand what I'm saying? Here's, here's where dating becomes such a problem in this generation. You have no idea your worth. I'm talking to both young men and young women in this room right now. We just sang about it. We've talked about it the past two weeks. If you had any idea whose you were in the identity of a wife and of a husband, somebody just saying, well, they're talking would be an absolute joke. One day when my daughter reaches the appropriate age, I don't want any man who tries to date her be afraid of me. I want them to be afraid of her, genuinely. Which they will be because she's a little crazy. But here, here's, where, <laughs> here's, where, here's where we've gotten it wrong. 
We see this in TV shows and sitcoms and all these other things where, like, the dad's cleaning the shotgun and, the, you know, the dad's the one that's scaring. And it never makes any sense to me because the, the daughter's always dressed in, like, these Daisy Dukes in, like, a sports bra. And like, oh, dad, don't be crazy, blah, blah, blah. If that dad actually did his job right, the young man who's coming to do whatever he's trying to do would not be afraid of dad. I will hope that I, if I do my job right as a father, my young, <laughs> so weird for me to think about right now, my daughter is turning four Saturday. My four-year-old, by the time she reaches the appropriate age of 30, when she can start dating, will not, we won't have to have these conversations. She will have such a high standard as to who can even approach her. I'm not going to have to worry about brandishing my nine millimeter around this dude. But I'm serious. I know I'm being funny, but I genuinely, this goes for both of you. This goes for, this will go for Jackson. This goes for Millie. The only difference is Jackson, my, my, my son, by the time he reaches, he wants to date somebody. I hope that I, me, myself, and Becca have done a good enough job with him. He understands the value of a young woman, knows how to treat them, and no one's going to have a problem with him. With Millie, hopefully, and we don't know what our third one is, so... Whatever our third one is, um, with Millie, that she will have such a respect and an honor for herself. She will know that her value is so high. She'll know that her dad has done such a good job of taking good care of her that some bum who just wants to talk would be a joke. And for those of you who no one has ever said that to you, have a higher standard for someone that can stake claim to you. Right? Please, starting right now. Someone that just gives you a little attention or keeps your snap track stack bloop, 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 streaks in order and all this other stuff like raise the bar just a little bit and you will start getting rid of some serious creeps in your life i am talking to both man and woman in this room a lot of times like i know it's easy to direct this to the young ladies because guys are always out there guys i am talking to you too you are more you are worth far more than a girl who is just emotionally needy because dad's not in her life it ain't your job to be dad it ain't your job to be provider right now. And, and young men, listen to me. Any woman, who, any young lady who would come to you and expect for you to care for her every need, emotionally, physically, financially, in school, whatever, is insane. Is crazy. That, that, that's ridiculous. And young ladies, any man who comes to you and says, I can care for all of your needs is a liar and has an ulterior motive. They're 16. But we are so easily deceived. My notes are up here. We're so easily deceived because we are so desperate. And if we are honest, we, we so badly want these things that we see on, on our phones and we see in other people. Where are we at? All right, ladies, I got to, I got to, nope, nope. Guys, every guy in the room, get your Bible app, whatever you use. I want you to um, highlight this, put it in your notes, put it on your grandma's forehead. 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an, under, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now watch this. I've never seen this anywhere else in Scripture. So that your prayers may not be hindered. 
Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to a woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I have never come across anything else in Scripture that directly says you will hinder your prayer life based upon how you treat your wife. I have never seen that anywhere else where it talks about prayers being hindered, like literally a prayer life, your prayers to God being hindered. The only thing in Scripture that mentions it is you treating your wife poorly. Don't, don't fall for the lie that you can figure all this out later, that you can, I'll wait till I'm 20 and I'll, 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 I'll figure out what it means and how to be a husband and blah, blah, blah. I just got to fall in love and it'll be easy. Wrong. That's not how this works. You need to understand your responsibility as a husband right now. Because one day when you say, I do, whenever, um, when me and Becca got married in July of 2015, my grandpa did our, sorry, um, my grandpa did our ceremony. My grandpa's been in ministry for like a thousand years. Um, just a great, great godly man. And my family had only met Becca one time, I think, before we got married. Um, we, weren't, we weren't wasting any time because long engagements are dumb. Um, anyway, I don't have time to get into that young adult discussion. Um, and so my, 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 my grandparents are some of the most understanding, sweet, gentle people, like, on the face of the planet. And my grandpa, before he did our ceremony, I don't even know if I've ever shared those with Becca. Before our ceremony, he's like, hey, if it gets broken, and if you do it right, it'll get broken, it's your job to fix it. And at the time, I really didn't, have, I really didn't understand what he was saying. He said, it's, it's your job to fix it. He said, and he, we have had this conversation a hundred times, even when I was in high school, he would always tell me, um, He's like, you know the difference between my generation and your generation? I was like, what, Grandpa, that we have an internet? And he would always say this. He said, when something breaks, you guys replace it. When something used to break, we would fix it. Something breaks, y'all are just quick to replace it. You're quick to move on, throw it away, get rid of it. My generation, we fixed it. It's no real secret about, like, five, six months ago, Mine and Becca's marriage was not um, in a good spot. In fact, we didn't live together for 26 days. We were separated. And in one of the absolute darkest moments of my life, my 85, 75, however old he is, grandpa, who had not heard much but just knew I wasn't doing well, sent me a text, and all it said was, is it broken? And I remember being in my house my alone, and I mean, I just started weeping. And I replied back to him, and I said, yeah, it's broken. He said, are you going to fix it? And I said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to fix it. And then he called me, and he said, do you remember what I said to you before I did your ceremony? He said, you promised if it ever got broke, you would fix it. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah you're, you're right. And we had this long conversation, and... He told me some stories about, about himself and, and my grandma, things I didn't know, and stories I probably just didn't honestly want to hear. And at the end of it, he said, okay, is it broken? I said, no, it's not that broken. He was like, okay, go fix it. This is one of the, the, one of the absolute 
strongest turning points in my entire life was that conversation right there. Because everything about marriage is a choice. Everything about love, and next week we'll go into more what love means and actually like what godly love is meant to look like and all that great stuff. But marriage is a commitment. It is a choice. Pastor Josh talked about this a little bit um, on Sunday. So many of us, we, we get into relationships and it's like, well, if I feel like it, you know, if I, they make, if, if they keep making me happy, you know, they give us the butterflies. As long as the butterflies in my stomach hit every time they, they text me and, you know, we have these, we have these, this emotional need. And so our relationships come one of the most selfish things about ourselves. And like I said earlier, we, we teach ourselves to date and break up, 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 break up and date, break and date, same time, and then break up. And then one day we expect to get into this committed relationship that is never meant to be broken. What God brings together, let no man separate. And we don't understand why it's so hard for us to say through hard times. We don't understand, well, like, why after, like, why, why... We have hard times understanding why marriage is hard. They're like, oh, we were in love, and they were perfect. Anyway, i got to move on, because i got to talk to the ladies right now. Ladies, go to everybody when I'm talking to you guys. Proverbs 31, the famous chapter that every lady likes to put. How many of you have this in their Instagram bio right now? Anyone? Anyone? I'll check later. Proverbs 31, I'm just messing with you. Proverbs 31, 10 through 11 says this. It says this, An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. This is what I am talking about, ladies. An excellent wife who can find, she is more precious than jewels. I want to clarify what I'm about to say because I, I need you guys to not get, ladies, I'm talking directly to you. I need you to not get what I'm about to say mixed up. You will not always be able to control who you attract in your life. You will attract some weird people. I have attracted some weird people. It's just part of it. But... People who cannot afford nice things don't go to stores where they can't afford anything. I know I just talked about this a few minutes ago, but I, 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 this will save you a lot of heartache. This will be what I try to instill in young Amelia's and possibly number three's little mind. If they're... I, I, I feel like I just sound sexist. If their value is high enough and they carry themselves high enough, these guys who think all they have to do is send a few Snapchats and a few text messages and bat their eyes and call you beautiful and I'm in love, if this is totally off topic, if some hmm, guy, ladies, some of you are not smart and I'm putting this to you delicately 
if you've not figured out some of the tactics of dudes yet, we, we say that we, I like to, we like to say it this way, guys will give the emotional to get the physical, girls will give the physical to get the emotional. And it is so much quicker and so much easier for a guy to talk about how beautiful you are and how, how, how you are, they're in love with you and they've never felt this way before and how you just, you're different than all the others and, and, and you make them want to be a different person and, and they might even come to church with you because you're so special. And all of a sudden it's like, he's the one for me and I can change him just because he makes our heart go pitter-patter a little bit. Ladies, up the price tag a little bit. Up the price tag a little bit, and you won't have as many creepy people hitting up your Snapchat every time. But the problem is whenever your Instagram looks more like a menu and your Snapchat is some quick access, you attract people who will come shopping for something they think they can't afford. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if, they, if young men understand they cannot afford you because of the price tag and how much you value yourself, they will not waste their time. They will keep strolling. Do you get what I'm saying? And young men, learn to understand that a good wife is more precious to you than jewels. And don't shop for girlfriends and don't shop for, for uh, what do y'all call them, side chicks and what's the, and whatever else. These little quick fix, you know, side buddy and they make me go pitter patter. It's easy. Yeah, that thing. But we are so quick and especially because everyone's got these little nifty, thrifty, satanic devices in our hands that we can have somebody on this app and this app and that app and all of them have a different purpose and a different need. Who can find, it's not even up here, an excellent wife who can find she is more precious than jewels, the heart of her husband, trust in her, and he will have no lack of gain. I'm going to skip down to verse 25, because this is the part I really want, ladies, I really want you to grab this. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her husband and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Strength and dignity. Y'all know what dignity means? Strength and dignity clothe her. I want my daughter, possibly daughters, I want this to be part of their identity. I want when other people look at them, especially young men look at them, think that is a strong woman, not some injured little gazelle that some creep can come prey on by saying they're cute and pretty and they can take care of them. Strength and dignity. Dignity is literally defined um, by being worthy of honor and worthy of respect, clothed in strength and dignity, worthy of honor, worthy of respect. Young ladies, I am not coming out. Last week we talked about this. I'm not body shaming you. I am not trying to make you feel like it's your, you got to protect the boys because you're going to attract them. That's not what I'm saying to you. But what I am saying to you is this, live your life in a way that is worthy of honor and respect. 
And if you don't respect yourself, do not expect some guy to respect you. And if he comes along and tries to convince you that he respects you, ask him a few questions first. First of all, never mind. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I'm going to go back to this one thing, and this goes for both men and women in the room. How much you value yourself is a great indicator. I'm sorry, I said this backwards. Who you enter into a relationship with is a great indicator as to how much you value yourself. Genuinely. Genuinely. Um, Italy, where are you at? So Italy, I've known Italy since 27, 18? Since 2018. And I've been her youth pastor for a long time. And she's probably heard this message at least four times. So, Graham, you're doing a good job. In Italy, we kind of had this running joke for a long time. And she'd always, like, brush off guys because she'd be like, I'm not allowed to date. Garrett said I can't date. I'm not allowed to date. Garrett can't date, blah, blah, blah. And then Graham came along. And I have, and I'm saying this publicly, I have no reservations about Graham. And you know why? I don't care what Graham's habits are. I don't. I mean, I do, but <laughs> the only question I had about Graham was, does he value her as much as Italy does? And that's the only. That's my. That's my only reservation. Young ladies, y'all. I get asked this question a lot of times. Do you think I should date this guy? I don't know. I don't know. But how much value is he showing to you? And young men, your job, like I said earlier, your job is to find somebody you are willing to lay your life down for continuously every single day. Not somebody that you can get a fix off of, get a picture from, get a high off of, someone tell you you're worthy and respectful and a handsome young lad. That's not your job. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, but boys don't find wives. Wives don't give themselves to little boys. So as much as he who finds a wife finds a good thing, wives, when a husband finds you, they find a good thing. But it takes a wife and a husband to find each other. And as long as you are walking around with this identity of I'm just a boyfriend, I just want to be a girlfriend, I'm just a uh, whatever y'all said, sneaky something, like I'm just this or I'm just that or I just, I just want someone to call me this or tell me this. And if we just have these, this low bar of as long as somebody will do this, whatever. As long as they'll give me attention, whatever. As long as they'll tell me this, whatever. As long as they'll make me feel valued, whatever. See, I'm going to keep going back to this value thing this week and next week. Somebody making you feel valued is a great indicator that you do not value yourself. I talked about this when I was closing out worship. If you do not value yourself well, you do not understand the identity Christ is trying to give you. When you take on this identity as a son or a daughter of Christ, your value skyrockets. And if it, if it, if it hasn't, I w then we need to not just have, be having conversations about dating and relationships and love. We need to be having a conversation about identity. Because if you've not grabbed a hold that you are a son of the king, a daughter of the king, this is all, this is all pointless. 
This is all pointless if you guys do not understand what it means to be an heir to Christ. If you do not understand what it means, see, so many of you, everyone in this room has an identity. We identify as something. We would have something that would like build, might be something we're good at, something we're bad at, your, 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 your sport, your, your instrument, your grades, your how you dress, whatever. And for some reason, I've been in youth ministry for, for like a decade now, for some reason it is so hard for young people to say, I'm going to form my identity around my relationship with Christ. And instead, it's actually my identity is formed around this sport, this girl, this boy, my last name, my economic status, the school I go to, how my hair looks, my friends, blah, blah, blah. But Christ is a part of that. He's in here. He's involved. And the most radical people I've ever had the honor of being a youth pastor to form their complete identity around belonging to Jesus Christ. They're also the ones that have the healthiest marriages now. They're all, and I could, I could go into that a whole lot more. Your identity is what matters the most in this conversation. Because if your identity is not found in Christ, then everything I just shared with you tonight does not matter. It doesn't matter. I can get up here, young ladies, and I can tell you how valuable you are and that, and that a wife is more precious than jewels and all these great things. But if you do not believe that you belong to Christ and you do not believe that who you are is, is literally defined by what God says about you, this is all pointless. Like myself with Millie, I can teach Millie for the next 14, 15, 16 years of her life how valuable she is. And she will believe that because her dad says that. I do not want my daughter to believe she is valuable because her dad says that. Obviously, that's a part of it. I want her to believe she's valuable because I want her to genuinely believe what God says about her is who she is. Young men, I, I don't want you to take on this role as husband because you're ready to be the dude. I want you to take on this role as a husband because a wife is far more precious than any jewel. It's the greatest team that God's ever created. It's the greatest thing for you, but it's because you have been defined by what Christ says about you. And if we cannot get there, then this is all pointless. It's, 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 it's a wash. You'll continue to do and act the same way you always have. Who am I to tell you, young lady, that you're valuable? You don't, most, most of you probably don't even really know who I am or have only known me for a few months. I can get up here and stop and, and shout and slap and do all these great things, and you can have leaders and people in your life say, you're valuable, you're valuable, you're worth this, you're worth that, you're worth this. It does not matter. It is still defined by man. And if you, right now in this room, if who you are is still defined by a man or a woman, it's a wash. Somebody will come along in your life, convince you that they love you more, they can take care of you more, and they'll get what they want from you. Y'all stand up. Worship team, y'all can come on. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a, a young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless. Mm -hmm.